Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 156 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Charity Majors. Charity is CEO at Honeycomb.io. She is a former systems engineer and manager at Facebook, Pass, and Linden Lab, and always seeming to end up responsible for databases. Charity is also the co-author of Variety's Database Reliability Engineering and a regular conference speaker. So Charity, can I ask you to expand on that intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, for sure. It's very dry, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Well, I am a music major dropout. I was a classical piano performance major, and I I grew up without computers completely. I had a crush on a boy in college and started spending time in the computer lab. And that's when it dawned on me that I grew up poor and I didn't want to be poor my entire life. And all of the music majors that I knew were poor. So I got into computers very much through the side door. And I've been in Silicon Valley since I was 17, I think. I I really love San Francisco. So I kind of, I've made a career niche out of being the first infrastructure boots on the ground. You know, when some software engineers have something that they think is getting some traction, I love to come in and build the first incarnation of the systems, the infrastructure. And then I typically will start hiring some people and shift to growing the team. And then I get bored and I quit and I go and do it all over again. <laughs> so yes, I was going to ask the next question, really. Um, that it sounds like your your passion or your, your interest is always at the beginning, at the startup. It's funny because I, I I feel that I'm I'm the boring person who comes in and makes things regular and everything, but but it's true. I only really like doing that in, in the early days. Yeah, you know, or I don't think of myself as an early adopter, but I am definitely someone who needs I need a certain amount of chaos to tame, or else why am I even there? So, Charity, can you share with us a career tip that the IT career energizer audience may not know and perhaps should? My tip is one that is somewhat aspirational, but it describes the reality that I think we should all be trying to co-create, which is that management is not a promotion, or it shouldn't be a promotion. It's a different career track. Like there are so many people who, you know, and I know that this doesn't apply in, in other professions so much, but this is an IT, this is a explicitly technical audience. And I feel like it's a different career. You spend your days doing completely different things. There are so many engineers, great engineers, who grew up in the industry. They are, that's what their passion is. And they feel like the only way to advance is to go into management. And they get there and they're miserable and it never gets better. But there's like this ego thing that's baked into, well, you can't take a step back, you know, or you don't want to be going. And, and, I, and I find that so profoundly unhelpful. I know so many people who really genuinely feel passionate about management and they love the day that they spend working on management issues. And I know some people who don't and never do. (laughs) And I feel like we need to have a career track for both where you can climb the ladder, you can get paid more, you can get more respect, you can can work on things that impact progressively more and more 
people or customers or clients um, without making you feel like um, it's somehow lesser to keep building things. People who can internalize this have a much better career, I think, than people who get um, fixated on this very hierarchical climbing and, and ladder-oriented mentality. Indeed, yeah. So I think you're right. I think you, you, you've identified something which I've certainly come across where there is that distinction, if you like, between a technical route and maybe a managerial route. And as you say, the maybe the, the sort of recognition of a management route and your ability to go higher within an organization is probably historic. Um, and I think that's beginning to change, but it will take time. Yes, I agree. It's beginning to change, but it takes time and it takes all of us. Like there are so many ways that each of us can contribute to this being reality. Like don't congratulate, like just be, pay attention to your language. You know, when you're congratulating someone on becoming a manager, congratulate them on their career change and ask them how it's going. Ask what they've learned, like what's new, you know, and, and you're new instead of being like, oh, great, you've climbed the ladder. You know, I, I really think that the most effective managers I know see the ladder as being inverted anyway. They see themselves in a support position. They're supporting their team, not, you know, over them dominating them. Yep. Well, it's, it's interesting that your position now is CEO as well. So yeah, presumably know, right? that comes with that sort of management <laughs> oversight, but it sounds like you like to be hands-on and, and doing as much as anything else. I do. I, there came a point where I realized that I was not growing and learning as quickly as, as my team deserved for me to be learning and growing because I still had my happy place, which is I could go log into a terminal, start doing stuff. And it was, it was hindering my growth. And so I intentionally took myself out of that. Um, I do think that when you're managing engineers, like when you're one step removed from, from the technical work, you have a responsibility and, and a pass to keep doing some amount of technical stuff. But once you're more than that removed from the code, once you're managing managers, it's just disruptive to everyone if you're in there mucking around with them. And it actually doesn't leave you that you need your full creative brain to be engaged in, in learning whatever is hard and new. That goes just as much for management as it does for engineers. Yes. And uh, until you're good enough at it, you know, I don't think that you can keep two, two feet, feet in two worlds. I think you're right. It's difficult to strike that balance, definitely. I mean, lots of people do it, but that means that they don't do as well at the things that their company relies on them to do. Okay. Um, Charity, can you maybe share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? <laughs> I was thinking about this too. I'm going to exclude everything that's happened at Honeycomb because, you know, current company, et cetera, let's, you know, just... Um, the worst moment of my career um, was, ironically, the moment that we got acquired by Facebook at Paris. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was at ChefConf um, just down the street, and they called everyone back for an all-hands, all-company meeting. This is at Paris, which we had never had before. We'd never had an all-hands before. And so I come back, and I'm just like, what is going on? And they told us we've been acquired by Facebook. And I burst into tears and I was not the only one. <laughs> we were just, and they're looking around. They, they thought that we were all going to be so excited and stoked and just like, whoa, we made it. And we we're just like, the whole, whole room was just silent. And except for the few of us that were crying, but it wasn't what I had signed up for. Yeah. I, you know, I'm in San Francisco. I planned my life around a walk to work. And this was a 
three, four hour day commute some, some days. I didn't have a lot of respect for Facebook in a lot of ways. And I was upset about, you know, I was, <laughs> I was upset in many ways. And what made it worse was that everybody expected me to be so stoked and feel really proud and so, so excited. And the, the difference between the expectations and my actual feelings put a lot of pressure and, and anger in me that even, even apart from the actual moment itself, I was, I almost quit and I didn't only because of the piles and piles of money, which bought me a house. So, you know, can't <laughs> yes, <be>. the upside <laughs> total first world problems to complain about this, right? I mean, yeah. it's the most privileged thing in the world to complain about, but I was not happy. Okay. In, in terms of what you learned from that, is this anything you, you do differently or, or do you have a different perspective on things? So number one, the way that Christine and I have chosen to run Honeycomb is with a lot more transparency. Like we, we were just stunned. It was out of the blue. We had not, you know, at Parse, like the entire company was just shocked that, you know, most of the companies where I've ever worked, the management team has kept things very close to the vest, you know, and it's very much a need to know basis. And, and Christine and I decided because of how we had felt, we we're like, you know what? We're building a team of people who choose into the startup experience. They're going to be in the trenches with us. We're going to opt for transparency, like up to the point where it starts to distract or upset our team. But like we're, we have, we have our company um, values. We wrote those up. And the first one is we hire adults. <laughs> we hire adults. We trust you with ambiguity. We um, trust everyone to own their feelings and, and, and give feedback and share, share how you feel. And, and we trust you with the business narrative. We are going to tell you where we're at, how much money we have. There's been twice that we have briefly considered acquisitions and we told them, we're like, hey, these are why you're going to see these guys. You know, this is the conversation we're having. Yep. You know, it's not a democracy, but it is It is not need to know. We're telling you where the company is. And sometimes that is a little harder on them and it asks more of them, but they chose into it. That's what they want. Yep. That's interesting to hear that you've taken that as a result of your experience with PASS? It's so disempowering to just know that things are going on, but you don't get to know what they are. You're over here working, just banging your, your heart out, you know, and, and there's things going on and your boss knows and won't tell you. That enrages me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? I'll tell you what I'm proudest of, and that is that I have learned, as you said in my bio, that I have I do quite a bit of public speaking now, and that that did not come naturally to me. I am naturally very introverted, very shy. I, I prefer to write rather than to talk. There was years and years there where I would, if I knew I had to go have a technical discussion or another discussion with someone in person, I would write out everything I wanted to say, like in an essay, and try to memorize it because I have a hard time thinking and talking at the same time. So if I need to change my mind or if I need to work through a problem, I, I would have to go away and do it and come back. Like I've just never been good at that. And um, at Parse, uh, I started getting involved with the MongoDB community and I got invited to do a customer testimonial at AWS reInvent like 2013 or something. And I did a big gulp. Like I, I was petrified standing up in front of the, 10 person company to give an architecture overview like that gave me nightmares for for a week <laughs> so so i i decided to do this and i did so badly like i was i was just so angry i 
I got up there. I My slides didn't work. My hands were shaking and sweating. My voice was wavering. I blurted everything I could remember out and turned straight around and, and started like, you know, hobbling towards the stairs. And meanwhile, everyone in the audience is like raising their hand, like, hello, <laughs> we have questions. <laughs> Like I, I was, I was very personally affronted by by that, and so I decided that I was going to get better at public speaking, like come hell or high water. And I started accepting every single invitation or opportunity to give a talk anywhere. I think I gave one or two talks a month for the rest of that year and the next year. I got a prescription from the doctor doctor for this. Um, uh, beta blockers that yeah. that, that make it so that you don't get the physical symptoms of the adrenaline rush. It doesn't stop you from being scared, but it stops you from shaking. And so I would take those. I just brute forced my way through it. And after two years of like pretty much constant nightmares, cold sweats, and giving talks, it was like a second job for me. Two years later, I started forgetting to bring my prescription with me when I would travel. And that was when I was like, Aha! <laughs> I finally conquered this fear. And over the year or two after that, I started to get to the point where I could do it in a more ad hoc way, where I could kind of improvise and I didn't have to do so much preparation. But that was, without a doubt, one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Uh, it took the most out of me. And I'm very proud of it. And I also think that it contributed to my being able to be a good manager, it contributed to my doing well at Facebook, it contributed to my being able to raise money, it contributed to you know being able to be an executive because being an executive is, is nothing if not a series of ad hoc performances. You know, everybody's keying into your mood, how you're feeling, they want to know, you know, what you think at the weirdest times, you have to be prepared for that. And I think that there's no way that I could have done what I've done over the past few years if I hadn't first put that hard work into public speaking. Yep. No, that's really good to hear. So how often do you do public speaking now? Constantly. Yeah. I mean, every week almost. Well, I've been I've been the only marketing like for the first two and a half years of the company, I was the marketing team. Just yes. getting the word out working on the, the message like there's no one else so so charity what excites you about the future of the it industry and careers in it i'm excited that i think we're starting to get it together when it comes to treating employees as people you know i know there's still a wide range a lot of people are stuck in really crappy jobs to this day but I, that makes me sad because this is the golden age for people in tech you know, for engineers, for people who work even, you know, adjacent. And there's no excuse for suffering. There is so much opportunity. There are more jobs than there are people. Your skills are in hot demand. Like, don't stay somewhere. Don't reward people who aren't doing the right things with their culture. You reward your employer by being where you're at, by showing up every day and doing work for them. And if you don't respect your employer, and if you don't think that they're investing in the right cultural changes and choices... Don't stay. But like, I love that people now starting to have this, this option, right? We're learning that management is important. And we're starting to learn how to build good managers. We're learning about what helps humans thrive at the workplace. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of places that are experimenting furiously, that are thinking really hard about how to make interviews suck less. You know, the whiteboard co coding thing is pretty much universally, you know, despised now. Yeah. And, and I like that. I, I, it makes me really happy to be alive and be a part of this transformation because I think it's just as important. It's far more important than any technical transformation that we've ever gone yeah. through. No, you're right. Definitely. 
like making room for parents. You know, I love the distributed team culture, not just because, you know, it helps us be inclusive of people who don't work in San Francisco and London, but also because if you make your culture friendly and attractive to people who don't work there, it accidentally becomes better for everyone else too. You know, if you're not counting on people being physically in one location, it makes it easier for parents, makes it easier for people who are caretakers, makes it easier for people who are neurologically atypical. It makes it easier for, for everyone to be judged by the caliber of their contributions instead of anything else. And, and I love that. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? I am. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Well, like I said, I had a crush on a boy. And and the money was attractive because I grew up dirt poor. And I was like, wow, these people all seem to have disposable income. How novel. But beyond that, I loved spending hours at the Unix command line. It felt very much like writing or like literature, just like scripting things. And and I, I stayed up night after night just reading other people's bash history files and trying all the commands and like teaching myself how to how to do Unix. And, and I, and I love it. I love the command line. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? To save money. There's a sense of security that you get when you always know that you can walk away if you need to, which counter or intuitively or whatever, it makes it easier for you to stay there and settle down and not freak out and just do the work and get over it. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? You know, I've thought a lot about, would I actually go back and get a CS degree? And I don't think I would, but I do think that most people should. If I was starting my career over again, though, I would have focused a lot more on on my software engineering skills early on. Like, I didn't really start to focus on that until mid-career because I came, started out in operations. And, and that, that was always a bit of a drag. Yeah, I mean, I never had a good manager my entire career. So I was very much by the seat of my pants, just trying to invent it as I went along. Maybe that's the good advice. Look for a good manager who has a track record of shepherding junior engineers to senior level and making them successful and happy. If you can find one of those to help you in your early career, I think you can compress the amount of time it takes by, you know, by three X or four X. Yep. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I'm just trying to make Honeycomb survive, man. <laughs> I mean, that's like the only job that I have is make sure that the money's coming in, make sure that the product is getting to customers, make sure that we're hearing the feedback, make sure that business engine is turning over. It is both very simple and, and very, very, very hard. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Definitely the public speaking. Yeah, I thought that might be the answer. Yeah. But before that, it was writing. Like I was a really good writer. And so I leaned very heavily on my ability to to write. I would send these long emails and I do everything over text. And I think that the moral of the story there is just be good at communicating in some form. That's just a force amplifier for everyone. Charity, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? It's kind of a pair. Uh, so Vice has to land within the right context to be relevant, right? Um, and I think that one of the things that has been very good for me is my tendency to, I lean into pain, right? If, if there's something that I'm not doing well, I lean into it and I 
you know, until, until it stops hurting, right? Until I learn what I need to learn. And I think that that instinct to learn, to lean into pain is generally a very healthy and good one for most people. But the flip side is if you're already someone who leans into pain, <laughs> then I think that the advice you should remember is pain does no good if it doesn't quickly lead to change, right? If you just lean into the pain and it becomes numb or becomes a constant, that wears down your soul and it leads to burnout, it leads to depression, and it leads to all the terrible things. So I think leaning into pain is good when it's like, you know, this muscle is sore or, you know, th- there's this thing that I can learn. I'm going to, this hurts. I'm going to fix it. Yeah. That's a great impulse. This hurts. I'm going to lay on the bed of nails. <laughs> it's not. No, exactly. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Probably Twitter, uh, at Mipsy Tipsy. I also have a blog, which I try to update at least once a month, varying degrees of success. It is charity.wtf. And the Honeycomb blog, too. Blog.honeycomb.io has a lot of stuff that we write about observability. Charity, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. This was great. A quick thank you again to my guest on today's show for sharing their career tips, advice, and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. Now that there are three new episodes of the show every week, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss out. And don't forget to join the new IT Career Energizer community group in Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great to hear from you and to learn about your own career journey, your successes, opinions, and thoughts on the future of the industry. Thanks for supporting the show. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.